Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We are going to recap week six. Uh, a lot of, I think, expected results in week six. A couple, couple surprises, at least to me, but mostly mostly chalk uh, that, that covered. And we got a lot of good results nationally. We'll talk about the national top ten, my power rankings. If you like the podcast, make sure to like, follow, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. This one's not on YouTube, but uh, in future episodes, make sure to subscribe, hit the like button, leave a review, send me an email. I'll be doing fan engagement again uh, for the picks, uh, for week seven picks. That's going to be my pattern as I'm going to try to get fans involved. So if you have a question or if you have a thought, uh, make sure to let me know. And I will get to your comments, your questions, your thoughts on the picks episodes. As I've been doing, I'm going to just go right into my power rankings as a way to recap what's going on, what's been going on in the conference. And I'm going to start with a bye, uh, a team that was on a bye, that was Indiana. They're still my, my last place team. They, they couldn't really earn their way out of that at this point. So they're number 14. They'll have a chance to at least prove themselves a little bit. They have Michigan next week. Number 13, I hate to do this. I hate to say this, but I've got Illinois. I thought Illinois would beat Nebraska at home, and they, I mean, they were not very good. Now, defensively, they played decent. You know, I thought that they'd, you know, they picked Harburg off once. You know, I thought their run defense was decent, right? 49 carries, 158 yards. So, I mean, it. They had Nebraska had over 150 yards, but it was on close to 50 carries. So some of that was kneel downs and whatnot. But still, I thought they played decently. The offense, though, I mean, they, they had 19 carries and 21 yards. Altmeyer again threw a pick. I think that's his eighth pick. There were a couple bright spots. I thought Pat Bryant, that guy's a good receiver. Uh, he's a, a very talented receiver. But, man, to to only carry the ball 19 times for 21 yards, I know some of that was sack yardage. But I this this team is worse, even worse than I thought at this point. And... You know, I, I was back and forth with a couple of Illini fans, uh, Illini Bubba, uh, my 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 guy Luke, who, who we've been tech, emailing back and forth. Uh, you guys were kind of talking about afterwards, kind of just the bad feeling you guys have as fans, and I, I hate to agree with that, but I don't see much right now from the Illini program that can really salvage the season, at least to this point. Um, there are winnable games. 
down the road, but it was just a rough showing offensively. And that, that offensive line is rough. That, that's what, what's really hard about, I think, the Illini program right now is the offensive line is a disaster. And I think Altmaier shows flashes, but he's turnover prone. The running game is a, is a disaster right now. And they, they don't have the quarterback to overcome that. And their defense, while it's good, it's not great. It's not elite to be able to carry them through. So I've got Illinois at 13. I debated between them and Minnesota at that spot. I've got Minnesota 12. They got demolished by Michigan, uh, which I don't think, you know, it, it's not a bad thing to get demolished by, by Michigan, right? Michigan's a really good football team, um, and they didn't help themselves. They, they surprisingly ran the ball at least somewhat decently for, for a team – you know, Zach Evans had a really good start to the game. They they slowed him down later in that game. You know, 117 yards, obviously on 39 carries, so not great. It's not not even good. But they had some success early in that game running the ball, but Kaliak Manis could not throw. He's 5 of 15 for 52 yards. They were not good. They were not effective at all. Michigan was you know, far and away the better team. 52 to 10 was the final in that game. I'm not sure what to make of Minnesota. One, one thing PJ Flex said after the game was that was the deepest team, I think the best and deepest team that he's faced in his 11 years as a head coach. That might be true, but this might be the worst Minnesota squad that he's had in his tenure. I mean, this is a... Similarly, a dumpster fire program right now. Um, they, like, I, I don't know what games they win in the Big Ten. Like, maybe Illinois. Maybe. But, I mean, their offense is non-functional right now. Particularly against anybody with a pulse on defense. And that's really concerning if you're a Minnesota fan. And, I like, I hate that because I... I I like Minnesota as a program. I think PJ Fleck, you know, I think for PJ Fleck has gotten them, I think, as far as he can get them. I'm wondering if you need to make a change at some point. I, he's been good. He's been very good. But it, programs like that, sometimes you kind of reach a plateau. I, I feel like Minnesota maybe has reached a plateau. There's still time. And it is a rebuilding year. I know they, they lost a lot from the past couple years. But this is this is a rough spot for Minnesota to be in. So I've got them at 12. Northwestern at 11. And I'll, I'll be honest. Similarly, I, I shared this before. 9 through 14 is rough. Actually, I might say 8 through 14 is rough right now. Like the bottom half of this conference, and I hate to say it because I'm a Big Ten guy, is not very good. Northwestern nearly blew a lead to Howard. 23 to 20. Now, Brendan Sullivan started in this game, so they didn't have their normal starter. Uh, but they were outgained by Howard. Now, granted, Howard, you know, Howard scored mo- did most of their damage in the second half. So it wasn't like, you know, North Northwestern was in control for the majority of this game, right? 
but it, you know, it, it wasn't like Howard had scored their last points to get this game within three with two and a half minutes left. So it could have, you know, could have, should have, would have. But the, the reality is Howard has no business being three points within Northwestern. They've, they've no business doing that. And yet not only was Howard three points away, they outgained them on, uh, offensively. So it's good that they got a win. Northwestern has triple the wins that I thought they would have this season. And to be honest, there's probably a couple more winnable games on their schedule, but I think it's going to be I think it's going to be hard for them to do that. Even I think they got lucky against Minnesota, no offense. And I think it's it's going to be rough moving forward. Uh, David Braun has proven himself as a, as the interim coach. I think he's doing a good job coaching. It's just, again, you're seeing the talent dearth at Northwestern right now. So I've got them at 11. Nebraska at 10. I You know, I was saying that the, the bottom half of this conference is not very good. But I do want to highlight that the Nebraska game, the Nebraska win with – Scott Frost is coach. This was a game they lost. They they found a way to 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 kind of fumble it away or turn it over away uh, you know turn it away with turnovers something like that. Harburg is has not been great, but he has been good enough. And for them to get a win on the road against a Big Ten opponent, I I don't care if Illinois is. You know, not the Illinois of years past. I don't care. This was a game Nebraska lost in the, the past few years. And this is what I've been saying about Matt Rule. Be patient with him. Because he's starting to right the ship. And I, you look at Nebraska's schedule. You look at their, you know, what they have coming up. Could they get to bowl eligibility? Right? Northwestern, you know, they get a bye week and they have Northwestern, Purdue, Michigan State, Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa. That's that's tough, right? Purdue can get you, can sting you. Obviously, Iowa's defense is pretty good. Wisconsin, Maryland, like d- decent teams, but you you can at least get Northwestern. I think you can get Michigan State. And I think you can probably get Purdue. Even if they don't get to bowl eligibility, this is progress for the Cornhuskers. I know, I know that sounds bad because you're like, you think of Nebraska, you think of, you know, years of old, the, the, the run in the 90s, and even Bo Pelini and, and his years of, of often getting to 9 and 10 wins. But for where they've been, this is a really good, this is a really good job by Matt Rule. To, to get a win like this on the road, it signals progress. And so I, I'm, very, I'm very optimistic about the building and rebuilding of this program for Nebraska. I know people will say it's only Illinois. They have not been good. I get that. This is a game you lost in the past. Good job by Matt Rule. Good job by the Cornhuskers. Uh not, number nine is Michigan State. They were on a bye this week. Uh, Purdue at eight. They, you know, they kept it close. They fought. 
uh, got it down to a six-point lead in the fourth quarter, but ultimately Iowa's defense was too much uh, in that game. So I, it, it's, it's really hard to go to Iowa and win. And against that defense, Hudson Card threw, threw a couple picks. You know, it was tough for them to establish the running the running game. Part of that was just the quarterback sacks. Like you, you take out Hudson Card's statistics, thirty two carries for one hundred and thirty six yards. That's pretty good. Devin Mockaby had a decent game, twenty carries, eighty nine yards, and a touchdown. But it's it's the picks. Um, like really, it, it, that's it, that's the game if you think about it. Uh, if they don't turn the ball over, Purdue has a shot to win this game. It's that and the big the big play by Caleb Johnson, who came back in this game, uh, had a big 67-yard touchdown. Um, again, Purdue had, you know, scores with about three minutes left to get this within six points, but a little too, little too late. Still... To go on the road, you know, Purdue, to go on the road, you go, you watch the film and you think, okay, they could have beat Iowa if they don't make mistakes, right? If they don't make those mistakes, that's the thing moving forward. You've got a tough matchup against Ohio State coming up. Can they maybe exploit some things with the Buckeyes? I don't know. I doubt it. But then you, again, you look at the rest of their schedule. Wisconsin and Iowa, they're out of the picture. Now you got Ohio State and you've got Michigan, but you also have Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern, uh, Indiana. Again, four winnable games. That Nebraska game, I think, is really key because I think the winner of that may have the inside track at bowl eligibility between the two. Because they're not, I don't think they're going to beat Ohio State. I don't think they're going to beat Michigan, but I think they can get to six and six. That game at Nebraska is huge. So, uh, but that's a tough loss for Purdue. It really sets them back. And if they want to go to a bowl game, because just that schedule just does not set up well for them. Number seven, I have Iowa, you know, Iowa, their defense is really good. Their offense stinks. And, you know, Deacon Hill, I think I saw it. You know, had he had 110 yards passing in that game, a big 22-yard touchdown reception in the fourth quarter to Eric Hall. But this is, I mean, Deacon Hill was six of 21. This is not a good pass defense. But this is like Deacon Hill is the backup quarterback. Luke Lachey is out for the season. I mean, they a receiver didn't have a have a catch in this game. This is not a way. This is not a way to win games forward. Moving forward, they are currently five and one, you know, with the one loss being to Penn State. But if you look down the road, you look at their schedule. You know, at Wisconsin next week. You know that I think Wisconsin wins that. They have again. They they have a lot of winnable games: Minnesota, Northwestern, Illinois, Nebraska. But I that Rutgers game, that I'm very curious. I I think Rutgers will get them. I I really do. I I just don't think Iowa is good. And honestly, I would not be surprised if they get stung 
by one of the other West kind of bottom dwellers right now. Because the reality is if you cannot, if you can't move the ball efficiently, like if you take away the 67-yard touchdown run by Caleb Johnson, I mean, they did not run the ball well. I think without that 67-yard run, I think it was around 120 yards on 30-some carries. So you're talking about four yards a carry and a completion percentage of less than 33%. It's less than 30%. That's not winning football. And that's not that was against a not great defense. I get that the other teams are not good, but Iowa is playing with fire here. And I get it. Backup quarterback, backup tight end. I get that. But they've got to figure out a way to, to score. Because otherwise, they're going to get stung by other teams. And I think one of the teams that will get them is Rutgers. And I would not be surprised, despite the fact that all those other teams on their schedule are in the bottom half. If you don't score points, you leave yourself vulnerable. And so it's Iowa could easily, Iowa could easily get to 10-2. and two. But also, they could easily be eight and four, and and that's their own fault for being offensively inept. I've got Rutgers at six. This this game turned on the last one of the last plays of the first half. Gavin Wimsat got his got the Scarlet Knights down to the end zone, uh, to the five yard line, throws a pick on second and goal, becomes a 95-yard interception return for a touchdown. Wisconsin's up 17 to nothing at that point. Rutgers is good enough to compete. We saw it against Michigan, and we saw it against Wisconsin. But the reality is, Rutgers has to play good football. Like, they cannot make silly mistakes and bad errors and win games. They're not they're not good enough yet to do that. And so to go on the road against Wisconsin, you know, they did a lot of things right. They got a fumble recovery at their own 5-yard line. You know, so that was really good on them even though they didn't cash it in. They were able to hold them in the red zone. That was really great. But then they go they they march down the field, 2-minute drill, Gavin, Gavin Wimsat did a great job leading that drive, just couldn't finish it off. And instead of it being 10 to 7, or at the very least 10 to 3, it's 17 to nothing. And now all of a sudden it's over. Because Rutgers does not have the offensive firepower. Now, I think Rutgers is more competent than Iowa is right now because they at least they have some offensive identity. And I think Wimsat is is a good runner. He adds some dynamic some dynamicism to that offense. They're just they, they don't have the infrastructure yet. They've been building, they've been building, they've been building, but the reality is they don't have the type of offensive personnel to come from 17-0 down. That's what we saw against Michigan. It's what we saw against Wisconsin. So that being said, I think Rutgers is the sixth best team in the conference because of their defense. That defense played really well against, I think, a good Wisconsin offense. And again, I'll, I'll say this. I keep banging this drum. I think Rutgers gets bowl eligible. I think, 
I think they at least beat uh, Michigan State and Indiana. And I, I, I think it's possible they could get Iowa and Maryland. Like, I think, I think the floor most likely is six and six. Now, I think Michigan State has enough talent to upset, and I think Indiana on a good day defensively can can make things hard. So if they don't get to six and six, I'm sorry, Rutgers fans. But I, I think there's certainly room there to say, hey, if all goes well, six and six should be the floor for this team. Which again, I think would be a major accomplishment for Greg Schiano and, and the Scarlet Knights. Number five, I have Maryland. Um this is less about Maryland losing to Ohio State and more about Wisconsin. But Maryland, I mean, they I I thought they they had Ohio State in a lot of trouble. And similar to I think Rutgers with Wisconsin, I think if Maryland doesn't I think if Tungavailoa doesn't throw a pick six in in the second quarter, I think that game is different in a lot of ways because you, then all the momentum, you know, Ohio State got a lot of momentum back from that and from, I think, the the mismanaged two-minute drill or 30-second drill, I should say, where Maryland probably could have kicked a field goal and instead they threw it over the middle and then the clock ran out. That being said, they've got, I think, maybe the most dynamic offense in the conference Right now, like at least the most in tune offense, I think Ryan Hemby had some good moments. Uh, they've got that uh, Antoine Littleton, you know, had some good moments. You know, obviously, Tunga Vailoa is a, an effective runner. Their receiving court is really good. Ty Felton, Corey Dykus, Caden Prather, Deshaun Jones. That's a really, really effective receiving core. It's just they played a I think they played a really good defense. Particularly I think that I think the secondary is really good. I think those safeties for Ohio State are, are really good and they're gonna challenge people. But I, I thought I think Maryland's a, a pretty effective offense. And I think they're gonna give teams trouble, including Penn State and Michigan. The offensive line, I, I think is weaker. I think that's what really holds them back from the big three. But I, I do think Maryland is – I think they're a dangerous out, and I think Michigan and Penn State need to watch out for them. So I've got, I got Maryland at five. Wisconsin at four, I think they're starting to figure, that, figure out who they are, right? They're not going to be the air raid team yet, but I think you see Tanner Mordecai. He's able to use his legs a bit. They're feeding Braylon Allen, who's a beast. They've, they've kind of got a second back who's really starting to come alive. He's the, their former fullback. And the defense is, is playing well. That combined with the fact that if you look at that Washington State loss, I know Washington State just lost to UCLA, but it's still, Washington State's a really good team. And Wisconsin had to go on the road and they lost and they, they didn't lose big. I think Wisconsin is better is better than people are giving them credit for. I think they should be ranked. Quite honestly, I think Wisconsin and Maryland both should be ranked. Um, but I digress. Wisconsin at four. Penn State at three. They have a they had a bye this week. They also have a bye next week because they play UMass, which I don't know how I feel about that as an Ohio State fan because 
they're getting two bye weeks before arguably the biggest game in the Big Ten, uh, at least until Penn State plays Michigan. So kudos to the Nittany Lions for getting a couple a couple weeks off. But I got Penn State at three. I've got Ohio State at two. I know I've talked a lot about you got to prove it, and Ohio State still has the best win out of anybody in the Big Ten. But that win against Notre Dame does not look as good, especially with them getting beat down by Louisville. Louisville is, I think, is a good team. I don't think they're a great team. And I think part of it, I think, is Notre Dame is wearing down. But, I, man, they have not been able to run the ball well the past couple weeks. I mean, Ohio State was getting just pummeled by Notre Dame. And you saw moments of it against Maryland where Maryland was able to run the ball down down their throats pretty effectively in the first half. They got some of it fix, fixed up. But, I mean, Ohio State sleptwalked a bit in the first half. And some of the same struggles that they've had for the past couple years, bad play calling, uh, predictable play calling. I think the defense is better. But I don't think it's as good as Michigan's or Penn State's. And... Quite frankly, I think this offensive line is mediocre at best at this point. And if if that does not change, this is a team that will lose to Penn State and Michigan. And I, I if I don't see any improvement from Ohio State, I will pick Penn, Penn State over Ohio State. Uh, I'm already leaning in that direction. So I've got I've got Ohio State two, bordering on dro- dropping them to three. I want to see how you know how both teams do next week. I got Michigan at one. I I know Michigan hasn't played anybody, but there is something about them just dominating their competition. I mean, they, they absolutely dominated Minnesota. They couldn't do anything in the pass game. You know, they, they really did hold them in the run game for the most part. So, I mean, I, I thought Michigan played well. They've, they've been dominant every week. And... There's something suffocating about that. I I don't have them as my number one overall team yet, but I think as the, the season progresses, I think there's a strong case to be made for them being the number one team in the country. Let me do national top 10 real quick. Um, I've got Oregon at 10, Washington at 9, Bama at 8. Don't look now. Bama got through Texas A&M, and I know – I know people are like, well, Texas A&M's not that good. They went to Texas A&M and won that game when everybody thought they were going to get upset. This is what they do. I hate to say it because I don't want it to happen. But this is what they do, particularly when they don't have all-world offensive personnel. Just look at 2015. Look at or Look at 2011. Look at 2009. This is what they do. Strong running game. Good defense. And they, they, they smother teams. Uh, Texas at number seven. It's respectable to lose by four. I, I've got them at seven. Florida State at six. Man, th- their wins. Clemson is not a good football team. LSU is not a good football team. I, I get that they beat both those teams. I, I don't care. Like Florida State has real holes. And... You know, we saw it again. They struggled with Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's not a good football team. So I got them at six. Penn State at five. I know I dropped them down. I'll, I'll explain in a minute why. Number four, I have Ohio State. 
again, the strength of their wins. Like beating Maryland is 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 a good win. And they, they beat them by 20. And I think they beat them by 20 to, despite the fact that Ohio State's offense played like a D-minus game in the first half. They, they got better in the second half. But it's a good win. It's a, it's a strong win. 20 points, you know, they showed resiliency. So I've got them at four. Georgia at three. I had them at nine last week. And the reason why I have them at three now is because they actually beat a team with a pulse and they beat the tar out of them. That's what I wanted to see. Georgia had been struggling against bad teams. They were sleepwalking against teams like UAB. They were sleepwalking against teams like South Carolina. They did not play well against, uh, oh, who's the team that they played last week? Uh, Auburn, you know, at Auburn. And so I was not, I'm not going to reward them for looking like, you know, an uninterested team for the first five weeks. They were interested this week and I moved them up. Will they keep doing it? Are there teams that can, that can take advantage of their, you know, their sloppy play if they come out sloppy again? I don't know. The East is not, is not good. Florida is not good. You know, Missouri's Okay. I think Missouri could sting them. You know, Tennessee's got some got some guys, but I don't think Tennessee. Honestly, I think Georgia's going to cruise into the SEC championship game. So I've got Georgia at three. They they actually looked like a legit team after the Kentucky after that Kentucky game. Michigan at two, and my number one team vaulting into my top ten into the number one spot is Oklahoma. Uh, great win. You know, in neutral site against Texas, and again, I a, a big part of this is the fact that they beat a really good team in a neutral site, and it was a great game, really competitive game. Obviously, it'll probably change as the season goes on because more resumes will get built, and I'm not. I'm not completely sold that Oklahoma is really, really great. I wasn't honestly that sold that Texas was really, really great. But com- compared to everybody else, who they played and, and what they've proven, I, d- I don't feel like I can put Michigan or Georgia above Oklahoma. Like, I just don't think I can't. Like, th- neither of them have a type of win that Oklahoma does. And while... Ohio State has a better win than both of those teams, uh, you know, and Florida State has a couple of wins that are that are decent. Ohio State has not looked complete, right? Florida State has not looked complete. Oklahoma has looked complete. Michigan has looked complete. Georgia has looked complete. And so that's why uh, how I'm ranking those teams right now. But obviously it can change. Um one one more note and then I'm going to I'm going to sign off here. I want to see USC play Notre Dame. Now, I think I think Notre Dame is worn out. You know, that, that I think that that stretch of Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, USC might be one of the hardest stretches of anybody of any schedule in the last 10 years. Like that's a legit schedule. And that's really hard to get up week in and week out. And so they might they might just be taxed. Uh, 
But also, I think USC's in a lot of trouble this week because their defense stinks. They should have lost to Arizona last week or uh, on Saturday night. They, they got saved by that dumb overtime rule. And it's, it's so dumb. I hate the overtime rule. Um, but if USC beats Notre Dame, I will probably put them in the top 10. But right now, I, just, I can't put them over Texas. I can't put them over Alabama. I know they're one-loss teams. But I think if Texas played USC today, I think Texas beats them by three touchdowns. I think if Bama plays them today, they win by four. Like, I think they win by three touchdowns or four touchdowns. USC is not good. They have a really good quarterback. They have some really good skill position players. Their defense stinks. And it's going to bite them. It's going to bite them at least, I think, twice, if not more. So I just, I, I can't put USC. And USC hasn't beaten anybody. Besides, you know, Colorado notwithstanding, they haven't beaten anybody. So that's that's my top 10 and my power rankings. Thanks for listening. I hope you guys have enjoyed the, the show. Uh, send me your thoughts, your reviews, your emails. Would love to get some more fan interaction for this week's podcast. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Zach Guggenheim signing off. Take care. God bless. 